You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethlehem Temple Church in Middletown, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. Go ahead and give him a praise in the house. I said, go ahead and give him a praise in the house. Praise him like there ain't nobody else in the church. so refined and dignified that we can't give our God some praise because he is worth that and so much more that's a good place to clap that's a good place to clap we thank and praise God for those of you who have joined us in person today and we thank and praise God for those who have joined us online and will be joining us online in the future we just want you to know that God has been so, so good to us. We thank and praise God in passing for those who participated in the Vacation Bible School on this week. It was a great success. The children had all kinds of fun. They learned things and uh, the people of God pulled together. And it's something that as we look back, we can be proud of as soon as we get rested up. But we thank and praise God for a very, very busy week. And we thank God for those of you who brought your children, those of you who just prayed a thought of uh, a positive thought about us. We are so appreciative. Some bought food and made food and bought different items. Whatever you did, we say thank you for it on today. And we thank God for Sister Teresa and her team who did a spectacular job. This morning, I invite your attention to the love chapter. If you don't know what that is, ask your neighbor. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm just Somebody, I don't know what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, we are transitioning. First Corinthians chapter number 13. Today I'm going to read in your hearing verse number one through verse number four. If you have it, would you please stand? I'm not going to try to get through all of this on today. Verses one through verse number four. If you have it, shout, I have it. I have it. Though I speak with the tongues of men, and of angels, and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can move mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestowed all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profit me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity faulteth not itself. It is not puffed up. 
for the message today, I'm going to deal with verse number four. It says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity faulteth not itself and is not puffed up. Some years ago, Graham Lyles and Terry Britton recorded by an American singer, Tina Turner, with, for her first solo album called Private Dancer in 1984. Capitol Records released it as a single from Private Dancer in May of that year. And eventually it became Tina's biggest single selling uh, record. And in, most of y'all know it's what love got to do with it. So today's message, as we speak and we transition on the love chapter, the message is what love got to do with it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. We ask you, Lord God, now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, and all God's people say amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, what love got to do with it? We're talking about spiritual gifts. What love got to do with it? Can, can, I, can, can I? I'm going to do it anyway. They say confession is good for the soul. Back in the 80s when Tina was at her peak and when she was doing the tours around the nation, at that time, me and First Lady snuck off. You know, back then you had to sneak off. Back then we was young Christians. We didn't know we'd just tell you I'm going. We had to play the role, so we snuck off. And we went to see Tina Turner. <laughs> and so when she passed here several weeks ago, it brought back memories of the time that we enjoyed the concert and she again put on a fabulous show. But again, the, the theme of that particular time was, and the song that I enjoyed most, and the one that I listen to often, is what love got to do with it. See, the greatest and most essential gift that God gave his church, the gift that contains the most divine power, is the gift of his love working in and through us. Can I get an amen? amen. Here in 1 Corinthians 13 shows us love is the greatest virtue. If you think about it, Paul was giving his greatest discourse on spiritual gifts in chapter number 12. And then all of a sudden he inserts this, what we now call the love chapter, and then he's going to pick it up again in chapter number 14 and conclude it. When we look at it then, we see that Paul wants us to know that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and through us to produce love because he tells us in Galatians, the gift of the Spirit, what is it? First of all, it's love. Tell your name, you got the love. So the purpose of this chapter is to show us that love is a part of everything that we do. See, you remember that in the Corinthian church, they were going after the flashy gifts. They wanted the tongues. They wanted the healings. They wanted the deliverance ministry. But Paul was letting them know all the show gifts, all the things that you're trying to do and, and feel proud about. He said, if you don't have love, you don't have anything. In other words, he was saying, no matter what gift is in operation, if it's not motivated by love, 
you're operating in the wrong spirit. All right, all right, y'all gonna get quiet. So in verses number one through verse number three, he shows us then that love is the preeminence or love has a distinction from the rest of the gifts that we talked about over the last several weeks. Now Paul looked at the spiritual gifts he's just been talking about and he says without love, speaking well or speaking in tongues, you're just making noise and entertaining yourself. He was also reflecting back, no doubt, on the culture, the heathen culture that the Corinthians came out of, where they would just get up, start speaking in tongues, and start doing all types of things. Paul says, if it's not motivated, if you're, uh, if it's not geared, or if it's not pushing people to love one another, then all you're doing is just having a good time. He says, you can have great insight, which speaks about the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom. And he says, but if you don't have love, your information really has no positive effect. He tells us without love, being generous, even giving your life to be a martyr is nothing without love. In other words, no matter what we do in this life, love is the essence. Love is what it's all about. And love is the glue that holds all of these other gifts together. Can I get an amen right there? Perhaps you've heard the story about a man who was called to be a pastor at a particular congregation. And the man uh, preached and the people complained and because he told the people that they were sinners and they were gonna go to hell if they didn't repent. So that pastor didn't last long. A new pastor came in and the people loved him. When asked what the new pastor preached, a member of the congregation answered. He preached that we're sinners and headed for hell unless we change. The wind, then they asked, what do you like about the second preacher that you didn't like about the first one? They said, well, the first preacher, when he told us we were sinners and going to hell, he seemed like he enjoyed it. <laughs> but he said the second one, he told us we were sinners and going to hell, seemed like it broke his heart. In other words, the Bible lets us to know that throughout the Bible, we are commanded to love one another. Jesus tells us, I have given you a new commandment. This type of love is a God pay love. It's a love that you ought to love one another. Why? As I have loved you. Aren't you so glad God loved us? Aren't you so glad that Jesus went to the cross for us? And so therefore that type of love is not looking for something in return is love because God loved us. And he says, I give you this commandment and he says, this is your testimony to the world. By this shall all men know that you're my disciple by how you love one another. I know you thought it was your giving, and I know you thought about how many friends you have and all those things. But he says, by how we love one another. The world ought to look at the church and say, those folks got together in this thing called love. Because especially nowadays in our society where we're so divided and everybody's at each other's throat and uh, we're divided in all types of little silos and pockets uh, of our society. But when the church can come together under one umbrella and say that umbrella is Jesus Christ and his authority and we're going to love one another as Christ loved us, it'll make a difference for us and the world who's looking on the inside out or the outside in. Can I get an amen? So therefore, to be a true follower of Christ means we must love 
one another. Now notice in this verse, he talks about the fact that in all those things that we do, it means nothing without love. But then he's going to begin to describe love in verses 4 through verse, well, I'm going to just deal with 4 and 6, through 6. But Paul doesn't give us a, 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 a definition of love. Because we would have said, give me a definition of love. And then when he got the definition, then we would have said, I got love down. But what Paul does is he gives us a description. He gives us how love acts, how love behaves. He shows us that love is a verb. Love has to be put in action. Love has to be seen. It has to be moving. It has to be something that people can feel and, and something that touches people's lives. It's not something way out there that I love everybody in general, but nobody in particular. You'll get it in a minute. So he says, charity suffereth long. Say charity suffereth long. That word suffer long comes from the idea charity or love is patient. Say it's patient. It's this first one has to do with how we relate and how we respond to each other. And if we ever need patience with one another, it's the day and time we're living in. Y'all almost say amen. Say ouch. The, the, the word patient here is notice. It's the first characteristic of how love acts. It comes from a Greek word that's used in the New Testament that talks about this being patient has to do with how we relate to one another. It's not Job being patient under trials. It's not you being patient under what you're going through. It's being patient with one another. And don't you know that takes some patience? If I can remember, somebody said to uh, live to love those who have gone on before us, that's one thing. But it said to live with those down below, that's a different story. To, to live with folk down here that we see every day that sometimes rub us the wrong way and, and, and cross us the wrong way and our personalities don't line up. Paul says here that love is patient or love suffereth long. So this word patient means to endure under provocation. In other words, it means that even though people are trying to push your buttons, you know how to stay cool. It means even though people are trying to get you to respond negatively, you still got that meek spirit that says, I got this together. It's that ideal that I won't retaliate or slow to retaliate. How many times have people said something to us, we immediately, within our bent nature, oh no you didn't. <laughs> I see a few hands. And, and, and when that happens to us, the first thing we want to do is retaliate. And especially when you're in the position to retaliate. See, some of y'all don't retaliate because you know you're going to have to go back and ask them for some more money. But, but I'm talking about when you are in the position to retaliate. When you are in the position, you're the boss or you're the manager, and you can get them and you don't get them, that's being in control or that's not retaliating in the light of your circumstances that you're going through. When I think about this particular situation, it means slow to retaliate. And I think about David. You remember when Saul went after David? And he tried on multiple occasions to take David's life. And one time David caught Saul sleeping in the cave. 
And David snuck in and cut off a part of his robe and then got on the other side of the ravine and said, Saul, look, I could have took you out. But because I'm not going to retaliate evil for evil, he said, because God has anointed you king, I'm not going to touch God's anointing. In, in other words, even though I had you, I could have killed you, they would have made me king, but this ain't the way God wants to work this out. And even when one of the messengers came back to uh, David, and even though Saul killed himself, one of the messengers said, we killed Saul, David. What do you think about that? You killed God's anointing? Take his head off. <laughs> In other words, David still had that love. David still had that compassion. David still said, I don't want to have a spirit of retaliation against someone else. You remember when all the things they did to Jesus, he showed patience. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, Jesus had legions of angels that could have came down and rescued him. If he could speak the world in existence, don't you think he could have just breathed and all those enemies could have been put down? But he was willing to go to the cross for you and I. He was like a lamb that was dumb that was going before this year and he opened not his mouth. Now, why should we then display this attribute of being patient? The first reason is because God is patient. I, I thought I'd get more amens on that. If you read through the Bible, you'll see how God was so patient with Israel. How many times did God bring them out and the first thing they started doing was complaining? How many times did God make a way out of no way and they saw the miracles? It wasn't no uh, hocus pocus. It wasn't nobody pulling the wool over their eyes. They seen the Red Sea. They seen what God's power could do. And as soon as they get on dry ground and safety, within a couple weeks, they start going, I'm tired of eating the same old thing. And they started complaining about their situation. But God says, in a couple places, God says, I'm going to wipe them out. But God said, I remember the covenant I made. And I don't want the heathens to say, I bought them out and couldn't keep them. So God shows his patience with Israel. I think about the story of Jonah. He was uh, 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 given to speak to the people of Nineveh, a very wicked city. Some of the things that we see going on in our society today, it don't have nothing against Nineveh. And God told Noah, uh, Jonah rather, to go and preach to Nineveh. And the Bible said, Jonah rather go the other way than to preach to these heathens. See, in that particular narrative, Jonah said, I knew that if you gave them a chance, they would repent. I knew that if you would give them an opportunity, they would turn from their wicked ways. And they did for a while. And what did God do? God held back the judgment. God is patient, we see. Also, when you look at the fact that in Nahum, Chapter 1, verse 3, the prophet says, God is slow to anger, greatly patient, yet he will not leave the guilty unpunished. In other words, God will give people an opportunity in his patience to come back to him. He says, I'm not willing that any should perish. I know you have to think like I do sometimes. Why 
is God allowing all of the injustice to go on in the world? Why is God allowing seemingly things go on and nobody seems to be in the dress and the world seems to be spiring out of control? God is patient. But he wants you to know that one day every knee is still going to bow. He wants you to know one day he's going to right every wrong. One day he's going to drive every tear from our eye. So even though we experience injustice right now, God is patient, and he said, I'm giving folk a chance to repent. I'm giving people a chance to come to me, and instead of them turning to me, they're turning to other things. I love what Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says. Oh, do you despise the riches of God, the forbearance, the long-suffering? Watch this. Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth you to repentance. Don't you know, he was speaking primarily to Israel. When you see how good God has been, it should have led them to repentance. And when we look at how God has been so good to us, it ought to lead us to repentance and want to do what's right. Can I get an amen right there? So why should we be patient? Think about it. And probably most important to me is, not only is God Patient, but God is patient to us. Anybody don't need God's patience? Anybody made it yet? See, we are a long way from being where we should be. We are a long way from being in what God has called us to be. But God is so patient with us. Even though, how many of us said, Lord, if you bring me out this time, I'll never do it again. Yeah. Lord, if you deliver me this time, you'll never find me in that situation. We've made these promises to God over and over. If you make my enemy beat my footstool this time, I'll never get myself in this situation. If I get out of debt this time, I'll never get, get in it again. If you deliver me from this alcohol or this drug, I'll never find myself. And also, we find ourselves right back in the same situation, and God still don't cut us off. That's God's patience. God said, I'm slow to retaliate. I'm not going to hold your sin against you when you come under Jesus Christ. I am so glad that God is patient with me because if God would mark iniquity, the church would be empty today. I said the church would be empty. I don't care what kind of clothes you got. I don't care how well you smell. I don't care what you've done. We are all sinners and need God's grace. You might fool your neighbor, but you ain't fooling me. If it had not been for God on my side, if it had not him being patient for me, when I should have been cut off, I folk wrote me off. But God says, because I'm slow to retaliate, I'm going to hold back my judgment. That deserves a hallelujah. That deserves a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I love that patience. I know I ain't always walk right. I know I haven't dotted every I and crossed every T. 
I know I haven't been all the places that I should have been in and been to places I shouldn't have been. But God, in his patience, said, I'm not going to send judgment. I'm going to show mercy. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for mercy. Thank you for being patient. Thank you, Lord, for holding back what I deserve. You can be cute if you want to, but I know where he's brought me from. You can act like you don't have no struggles, but I know he's been patient with me. You can come in here and act all sweet and all cute if you want to, but I know the human heart, and the human heart is desperately wicked, and we need God to be patient with us because he's still working on us. God is patient. And, and you know I'm so glad God don't listen to other folk. Because some folk would have said, get him, Lord. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Some people see you fall down the step. That's God's judgment. Go bankrupt me. That's God's judgment. But God in his mercy God in his patience. God in working out our lives for his eternal good. Allow some things that happen in our lives not to destroy us, but to develop us into what we need to be. So keep your mouth off of folk you don't know what God is doing in their lives. I begin to land this plane. What does patience look like? First of all, patience means giving people time to learn. Giving people time to mature and develop in their spiritual gifts. See, I'm blessed, and most of us are blessed because we've been saved 10, 15, 20, 30, and we're up in 40s now. And we got some folk 50s. Been saved 50 years. But one of the drawbacks of that is we have been so disconnected for so long. We have a tendency to forget where God has brought us from. We see somebody coming in struggling and we want to preach to them and we don't, we, we, we forget we just got delivered over that last week. We've been saved 20, 30 years. God just saved us from that. And they come in. We expect them to come in and be where we are. And it took us years to get here. See, we have to understand that we are a work in progress. And Lord, be patient with me because you're not through with me yet. I'm still on the potter's but God is still making and molding me into what he wants to, me to be. It's just like a child. When a child begins to walk, they're going to stop. You don't kick the child out. That's a part of the process. You don't beat the child because it falls. So when people come in 
and they might not be on your level, you don't kick them out. You don't put your foot on them. You don't put your mouth on them. You give them a chance to develop into what God wants them to be. I, I think about the illustration very quickly. When Paul started his first missionary journey there in the book of Acts, I believe Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark, all of them went on that missionary journey. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of that journey, John Mark, for some reason, said, I'm going back home. Some people thought he was afraid. Some people thought he got homesick. But whatever the case was, he said, I'm heading back to the house. And Paul was starting his second missionary journey in Acts chapter number 15. And John Mark was uh, Barnabas's uh, cousin. And, and, and when they were talking about who they was going to take on this missionary trip, they said, we're going to take John Mark. Paul said, no, I ain't taking him. You know what he did last time. He, he, he deserted. He went back. And so they divided up over that particular issue. But when Paul was in that dungeon, Yes. Waiting to be executed. Yes. He said, only Luke is with me. He said, go and get John Mark. Yes. In other words, don't write folk off because they're not where you need them to be at the time you need them to be there. Let God work in their life. Let God develop their character. What I love about Paul, he didn't tell this young man, don't you ever come back to me again. He didn't say, I'll never talk to you again. He didn't say, I'll never let you back in this church again. He left it. Yes, they divided and said, he can't come with me this time. But evidently, John Mark had grown. He matured. He developed into the person where now, Paul said, now he's useful for me. Sometimes we write folk off too soon. Oh, y'all don't hear me. We write people off too soon. When we look back over our lives, think about how many people tried to write us off. And here we are. Preachers and deacons and missionaries and evangelists and prayer warriors. All of the folks that said we would never make it past the summer. We would never make it a year. But if it had not been for the Lord, he's been on our side. So, 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 so. The, the point of that is, don't burn your bridges over trivial things. The burning bridges mean they can't come back. Allow people to make mistakes. Allow people to grow, develop, learn. As God begins to bring people in, they're not going to do it the way we've done it. It's going to take them time just like it took, your, took you time. The old folks who said, it takes time to live holy. Some of y'all remember those statements. In order to get the real they become. It's a process. So don't expect people to be where you are. Where it took you 30 years to get there. Where God is still working in their lives. What does patient look like? Patient is, it also means resisting the tendency of drawing premature conclusions about things we don't know about. Anybody ever do that? Jump into conclusions. 
See, when we have to understand that patience means that I, I, I really don't know why you went there. The patience says, I, I don't know why you've gone that way. See, patience says, I don't know all the things that's going Maybe you just had a bad day. Anybody ever had a bad day? Anybody had a day where they were frustrated? And so therefore, patience says, I'm not going to assume you're mad at me. I'm not going to assume that you ignored me on purpose. We talked about this in Sunday school. Sometimes you can see a person and you don't see them. Be in the crowd, you glance, and sometimes people say, you didn't speak to me. I didn't even see you. I maybe sound your face, but I didn't see you in the presence. Our minds are so many places. And, and, and so don't assume because somebody didn't speak to you, they don't like you. That's the devil talking in your ear. If the devil can divide us through in the windows, if the devil can divide us through gossip, if the devil can divide us on things we really don't know about, you don't even have the facts. Find out why you acting out, that person's acting out of character. Then maybe go from there. But don't assume. Mother Jones would tell us, it's not about you. Why they do this to me? How come they didn't speak to you? They usually speak. They must be having a problem. No, 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 no. Everybody has their time. Give people leniency. Let me say it this way. Give people grace you want them to give you. That's a, amen. It's all the call time. In other words, when we go through, we want people to show grace. When other folk go, we want judgment. When other people's families struggle, we want uh, a privacy and confidentiality. But when other folks' families go through, we got to tell everybody. Y'all know I'm preaching the truth. So patience means that we are not fast to response to an offense. In other words, if somebody don't speak to you when they leave church, they doesn't speak to me. It's not about me. Don't walk out and say, I ain't coming back. They ain't friendly. <laughs> they didn't say amen. Praise the Lord. Some people leave because they're so easily offended. If you are wearing your feelings that closely on your shoulder, somebody's going to offend you all the time. You got to learn how to shake that stuff off and keep focus on what your purpose is and let God take care of anything outside of that. I said I was going to try to get down. I am moving fast. Patience also means holding our tongue. It, 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 it means not putting your mouth on folk, again, that you know nothing about. It, it, it's that ideal that, yes, you see something, but that don't give you a right to keep repeating it. Patience says, God, you're working out this situation. Why should I interject myself in what you may be doing in that person's life by talking about it? See, all these types of things was going on in the Corinthian church that caused the great division among them. Paul said, wait a minute, now, patience or, or uh, love suffers long. It don't retaliate. It don't talk about folk when folk are going through things. <laughs> then it talks about patience keeps scattering the word of God to others. In other words, when we're patient, it's, it looks like 
even though our family members may not be responding to the gospel. It may look like they are ignoring it. It may look like, in some cases, they're going the opposite direction even faster because we're trying to share the gospel with them. Our job is to keep on sowing. We, we talked about that in our Christian development in, in a broader context. Our job is to sow. The power is in the seed. Once that person's heart is ready, it will produce in its time. And just because somebody don't come in when we think it should come in, don't stop praying. Don't stop calling out their name. Don't stop seeking God. Because if you look in the parable, the one thing shot up quick. But all of a sudden the sun came out, it didn't have no roots. In other words, fast results don't mean it's, it's a great result. That's why we got to let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. That's why we have to let the Holy Spirit bring a person into the knowledge of Christ. We can't do it ourselves. Well, then how do we conclude this message? So we got to keep on praying. We got to keep on sowing. We got to keep on planning. Patience is then how we respond to other people. Just think if we can get to the point where we said, Lord, order my steps and how I respond to people. See, these are practical messages. But I guarantee you, most of us, before the end of the week, we're going to need some patience. Because somebody's going to try to push our buttons. Somebody's going to try to get us to have an offense. But through God's word, we can respond out of love. That can be the motivating factor. And all these things, he says, love got to do with it. And all of the things that uh, divide us, let love be the thing that brings us together. God bless you. We're going to ask Elder Myers if he would come and conduct the furtherance of the service. And while he come, give God some praise and knowledge. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.